that prompted his exile to Miami, his involvement with a CIA official that led to a secret plea deal with the government. Through it all, he possessed an asset not typical of admitted killers, charm. A man who did business with Roberts in his New York mafia days, and later joined the priesthood as a result of the experience, told me, John was extremely likable, he was fun to be around. Underneath that was a person capable of very bad things. He is an extreme dichotomy of good and bad. He is a very old story, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Roberts's frankness about himself, usually blended with a sly, sardonic humor, can be disarming. In a phone call before we met to discuss telling his full story, he said, I might be a sociopath. Most of the time I've been on this earth, I've had no regard for human life. That's been the key to my success. I arrive in South Florida the spring of 2008 to begin interviewing Roberts for this book. He insists that I stay with him and his wife, Noemi, and son, Julian, at their house in Hollywood, Florida. He insists that I not rent a car. He'll pick me up. He'll drive. Always. I don't ever want to be in a car with somebody else driving it, he explains. John's accent is New York, but not the tough guy dialect of the streets. He speaks an urbane New Yorkese, like Michael Douglas's Gordon Gecko in Wall Street. We do many hours of interviews in John's car, visiting old haunts, bars, smugglers' docks, murder scenes, with time out to pick up Julian at school and shuttle him to playdates and hockey practice. When Julian is in the car, John drives at the proper speed and questions him about school, like any other involved parent. When John and I are alone in the car, he reverts to old habits. He seems to drive his car, a late-model Cadillac, at only two speeds, 75 miles an hour on surface streets and 110 miles an hour on freeways. As he darts in and out of traffic and squeals out of parking lots, driving with John feels like being dropped into a car chase scene in a 1970s movie. I glimpse the rearview mirror, expecting to see elaborate car crashes in our wake and flashing red lights. But John is a precise high-speed driver, never reckless. Rocketing toward a parking space, he flicks the wheel with one hand and backs in. He always parks his car facing out, primed for a quick getaway. John's home is an expansive Spanish modern set against a lake on the inland waterway. Before we enter, he clips blossoms from a jasmine vine, then places them in a vase in the front hall. A friend from his New York days tells me that John has always liked flowers. In his apartments, he always had a bowl of water with a gardenia blossom floating in it. John's hospitality is obsessive. Before my arrival, he phoned me on a morning when I happened to be eating blueberries. Now a fresh basket of blueberries waits for me in the refrigerator. Every time I visit, there will be blueberries. In the Roberts household, John does the cooking, 
French toast for breakfast, pasta and baked fish for dinner. Unless there is an NBA game on, or a new episode of Two and a Half Men, his favorite show, meals are eaten at the long, plankwood dining table. Noemi is responsible for setting it. She is an energetic presence, thirty years younger than he. Noemi is African on her father's side and Hungarian on her mother's. She and John met shortly after she arrived in America, when she was training in a Miami park for a triathlon. There is an athletic bounce to her movements, and she speaks in an exuberant, bubbling accent, not always easily understood. She pulls me aside before my first dinner in the house and says, I adore John, but the day I met him, he touched me and my body went numb.